And one of the things or mottos that we have as Jews is we learn so that we can teach. We're not just learning for ourselves, but we're learning so that eventually we pass on that knowledge and the things that we've learned to others. On In Good Faith, we believe that all faith traditions have something to teach us about how God is working in the world and in our lives. So join us to listen, learn, and be amazed. Today on In Good Faith, we're speaking with a guest who combines so many wonderful identities into her personality, and in some ways has really had to fight for all of them to say, this, this is me, <laughs> like the song says. Ashton Rowan, you are the producer for this episode and found our guest. Talk to me about, about finding her. Yeah, I first saw her name as on an episode of Melly Solomon's podcast, Living Our Beliefs. Melly Solomon was a former guest on this show. And when I saw her name and started researching, I was immediately struck by her and her emphasis on education, uh, her identity, her religious identity, cultural, traditional, familial, racial identity, and how this all coalesces. And she was willing to come on the show with us, and we're very grateful for that. And something I, w I think will become very evident is how important it is for her to pass on traditions, both that she values what was given to her, and we'll hear about how she also continues that that keeps flowing into the generations after her. Yasmina Huberman is the host of the Jewish Education Experience podcast and the founder of Lamed Learning Center, which provides learning opportunities for families. She's originally from southern New Jersey, where she grew up attending Hebrew school at the Adat Beit Moshe, the synagogue founded by her grandfather, Rabbi Abel Respiz. In fact, she starts by talking about her grandfather's conversion. My grandfather from a young age was taught that he was different and that he was Jewish, but they weren't really observant. Eventually, his parents passed away and he started to go on a journey. And after he was already married and had children, he had several dreams. And one of his dreams was that he was standing in front of a Judaica store or a Jewish bookstore. And then several days later, he actually ended up standing in front of that very store. And he walked in and he spoke with the owner and he said, I know my background is Jewish, but I really don't know anything, but I want to learn more. Can you put me in the right direction? Can you help me? What do I need? And she said, my husband, the rabbi, you know, he doesn't really have time to help you or teach you, but I can give you these books. And she gave him a Sidur, which is the Jewish prayer book. And then she gave him a Chumash, which is a book that has the five books of Moses in it. And I think she gave him also a Hebrew notebook at the time. It's called Reshit Da'at. And it's like the first learning, the first knowledge. And in that book, it goes through what each of the letters of the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes through all of the vowels, which we call the nekudot, and how to put them together and how to piece them together and learn how to read. So he started with those three books. And since he couldn't find anyone else to teach him, he taught himself. And from what I recall, just from stories passed down, mm. a year after he started learning, he was able to lead his first Passover, or we call Pesach, Seder, it means order in English, 
And during the Passover Seder, there's steps that we go through. One is a blessing, and then we wash our hands, and then have the meal later. And so there's all these different steps involved, and typically it's all done in Hebrew. And he was able to lead that all by himself. And so eventually he kept learning and kept studying. And in the 1970s, he and his family wanted to make Aliyah, which means move to Israel. Aliyah means going up in English, going up in holiness. So in order to do that, they wanted to see the land. They wanted to see what, what's it like to be Jewish in Israel. And so that's what they did. Not all of my dad's siblings could go, unfortunately, but most of them went and my grandparents went and they saw the land. They met with people there. They got to experience what life was like. And then they eventually came back and they said, okay, in order for us to take that step to make Aliyah and move to Israel, we need to be actually accepted into the overall Jewish community. You know, it's one thing to say, yes, we're Jewish and we have a little community. At the time, it was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but they weren't connected with the Jewish community. And in order to do that, you kind of need to show proof of your Judaism, which they didn't actually have. And thankfully, my grandfather was able to reach out to a wonderful rabbi. May his memory be for a blessing, Rabbi Emmanuel Rachman. And he said, listen, I believe your story and I want to help you. And we're not going to call it a conversion because I believe that your process is true. I believe that you're Jewish. We're going to call it a reaffirmation. You guys are reaffirming your Jewish identity. And so because my grandfather was very learned, they had already been studying and learning. All they had to do was just go through the mikvah, kind of a purification process, but also right. a renewal process. So anyone who goes through conversion, that's what they do. And so my my grandparents, my dad, all of his siblings, and other members of their community at the time went through the mikvah. And so that showed that they were officially Jewish and recognized amongst all of Klal Yisrael or all of the greater Jewish community. So education is incredibly important to you. I want to ask about your reaction because you went with a birthright program where someone who's Jewish can have the trip to go to Israel and be able to make that connection. So you'd read a lot, but what was it like to actually be there in the land? Wow, it is powerful. Birthright is such an incredible experience because they created this fund which allows teenagers and young people, and you basically go on a free trip to Israel, and it's all about establishing that connection with the land. And it's beautiful because I remember my first trip and I stepped off the airplane and I realized, wow, I am in the holy land that I've been reading about since I was a child. This is where Avram walked Abraham. And this is where Moshe, Moses walked and Sarah and Rivka and, you know, all the people that we read about in the Torah and the Bible. And so to be there was incredible. And then it's a 10-day 10, 10 trip, so you get to go to all different parts of the land. So it's quite amazing. And so that was my first trip, going on birthright and just being able to experience the beauty of the land. And then I also went on a few trips as an educator. Each of my trips, I've been able to take 
a new nugget and a new thing from mm -hmm. Israel. And then eventually I made Aliyah and I moved to Israel. I wonder if you would talk to me why you decided to do what you called an Orthodox conversion. Well, growing up, I didn't realize until I was older, but typically conservative and reform conversions are not widely accepted. So my mom actually underwent a conservative conversion. And when I moved to Israel, and eventually I met my husband, and we knew that we wanted to have a Jewish family. I've always had a very strong Jewish identity just from birth. That's something that has always been very important. My parents made sure my brother and I went to Hebrew school and we learned how to pray. We learned Hebrew. We learned what it means to be Jewish. Growing up, one of the things that my family felt was very important, that even though we didn't grow up Orthodox, we were traditional and we made the Sabbath or Shabbat special. So growing up, we weren't really allowed to do activities so much. Every Friday night, my mom and I lit Shabbat candles and my dad was always home. We always had a meal together as a family. Sometimes we would go to our synagogue, but most times we were together as a family. We had dinner together. And so that was instilled in me. I knew I wanted to have a Jewish family. My husband and I were introduced to each other and we wanted our children to be Jewish. And knowing what I knew about what was accepted overall and what is accepted in Israel, Israel only accepts Orthodox conversions. And thankfully at the time, I was working for a, a daycare in Jerusalem. And the woman that I worked with, she put me in touch with a rabbi who ran a program that helped women mainly who wanted to go through a conversion or even women who maybe had a connection with Judaism and needed to reconnect. So I knew I wanted to do that. I, I made that decision because I never wanted there to be a question regarding my children's Jewish identity. I knew that, okay, I could be fine with even if I didn't do an Orthodox conversion, but for my children, I wanted them to be able to have that opportunity. God willing, they're going to continue to want to be Jewish. They're going to marry Jewish people and raise Jewish families. And so I, I never wanted them to have that question. Yeah. And thank God I was able to find this rabbi I mentioned, and he worked with me. I told him my story. I told him background. He met with me and my husband. And I did some learning. Since I had already grown up Jewish, thankfully it, it didn't have to be that long. I think I did five or six months of studying. And then I was able to get my date to go to the mikvah, went through the mikvah. And I felt like, you know, here I am now renewed. I felt like this is who I'm meant to be. And I made that complete. Yasmina, you are in an interesting position of, as an African-American, being a minority within a minority, being Jewish. And I'm sure that people say, how can that be? Or are you often the first black Jewish person people have met? Most people here, I'd say in America, would say that. You know, you're the first brown-skinned Jew or African-American mm -hmm. Jew that I've ever met in my life. However, in Israel, you go there and there are people from all different areas of the world, all different skin colors, so to speak. Many Ethiopian Jews. Many Ethiopian Jews, and even more now Jews from other parts of Africa too, parts of India. And there, there's really Jews 
all over. So I think one of the challenges, I guess, in America is that it is harder to come across maybe Jews who are of a different nationality or background. And honestly, when I think of myself, other people looking at me would say, okay, she's a African-American Jew or a black Jew, whatever they would say. I consider myself just a Jew. I'm a Jewish woman and I am a Jew just like anyone else is. And no matter what the color of my skin is, for me, I don't think that that is something that is the first thing to talk about or mention. I think that a person who's a Jew is a Jew. What makes you feel connected to God? Is it those observances? That's a great question. It's definitely the observances. It's, it's my life. Every day I wake up in the morning and I pray. Usually I try to get up before my three children so it's quiet and I can do it undisturbed. <laughs> so I get up and I pray and that immediately, even before that I'll say, I say Ani, which is a prayer that all Jewish people say when they wake up in the morning. The first thing they do, we open our eyes. Before we even get out of bed, we say Ani, and it means thank you, God for renewing my soul back to me. Thank you, God, for allowing me to see another day. So immediately it gives me that connection to Hashem, to God, to higher powers, that I know that I am not alone here and that there is a path and there is a plan, even if I can't always understand what that plan means. And that's really beautiful, right? Right when you open your eyes to kind of invoke that for the rest of your day. Yes. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. It's beautiful. And it immediately lets us know that, first off, we were all created by a creator. We didn't just pop up here. And that there's a purpose for us and for our lives. You know, if we thank God have been blessed with another day, it means we still have a mission here on earth. So I go through and I and I say that right away. And then I go through the rest of my prayers and one of the most important prayers we say is the Shema, and it's Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Hero Israel, you are our God, and the Lord is our God, and the Lord is one. You know, we believe in only one God. And that connects me, first off, with Hashem, with God, but also connects me to my parents, who also pray and have prayed, and my grandparents, who have also prayed. And keep going back and back, back through the the chain eventually leads back to Abraham, Abraham, the person who's considered the first Jew, that he and Sarah would go out and they would teach people about one God. So I feel such a strong part of that. Every day when I know I'm here and I'm waking up and I'm reading through the Bible, I'm reading through the Torah and, and doing my tefillah to my prayers. I love hearing it. And and I'm just, uh, parents everywhere are going, oh, yes, I know you get up early to have just a moment alone. And sometimes you do. And then you hear this little voice, hi. And it's like, no, 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 no. This was my time. <laughs> it happens more than I can count. Yeah, and then yeah. I'll say, I try to institute a 730 in the morning. Can you guys please stay in your rooms until 730? <laughs> <laughs> You are incredibly committed as a student to learning. 
But you have become just as passionate, it seems, about sharing learning and why this passion for sharing Jewish education, like on your podcast, inviting different rabbis, talking about all different subjects, anything from how to keep your students interested to introducing a particular concept seems very important to you. And I'd love to kind of dig into why. The Torah, which is the blueprint of our lives as Jews, Torah means teaching. And one of the things or mottos that we have as Jews is we learn so that we can teach. We're not just learning for ourselves, but we're learning so that eventually we pass on that knowledge and the things that we've learned to others. For many of us, it's to our children because we have a commandment, we have a mitzvah to educate our children. We want our children to know what it means to be Jewish. But then also some of us become educators and we teach other people. I actually started teaching when I was 13 years old. My mom taught in our Hebrew school growing up and she taught kindergarten. And she said, okay, I'm teaching kindergarten. You're going to be my assistant and you're going to help me in the classroom. So I kind of got my feet wet helping her in her class. And I've pretty much been teaching ever since then. Although now my role is a little bit changed. I'm teaching my own children, not so much other people's children, but we do have our podcast where we interview other Jewish educators. And it's just so important to be able to find that spark, something that you can put out there in a student that even if it's not going to spark now, that it gets in their heart. So maybe later something will happen and it will remind them of that. And they'll think, yes, I learned that. And you know what? I am Jewish and there's a reason why I learned that. And, oh, I can use that because now I know what that means. And just seeing that process in their brains also, when it clicks that, wow, that's the reason why I learned that all those years ago, or that's why I learned that last year. And it's amazing. You know, it's really hard to describe that moment where you see that in your student. Well, it's unfortunate that anti-Semitism has not disappeared from the world, which makes it maybe seem even more important to have the young people have a real defined sense of self and feel connected to that history that you're talking about going back generations. There isn't a goal in Judaism that you should convert the world, that everyone should be Jewish. So what do you feel like is maybe the mission of you as a Jewish person or as as the kids you're teaching, your own children, or those that you're helping to educate in other ways? You are completely right that as Jews, we don't purposely go out and think that everyone should be Jewish. We feel and believe that everyone has a mission, no matter whether they're Christian or Muslim or Buddhist or atheist. There's a mission that everyone has, and there's a place that God has has put them on this earth to accomplish. I believe me as a Jewish woman, that my purpose is to educate my own children and build my family and make sure that I'm passing over to my children a strong Jewish identity and what that means to be a Jewish person in this world. And you know what? It was very, it's very difficult to do that at times, especially knowing that yes, there are people out in the world who don't like us. However, we are given a special mission to, I believe, be a light unto the nations. The Torah has influenced generations and societies and people from all over the world. There's wisdom in it. 
And yeah. the fact that we are able to learn it and read it and, and pass it and teach it just shows that this document, the Bible that's been around for thousands of years, it's unchanged. And it's relevant from back then, just as it's relevant now. The teachings of just learning how to be a good person, learning what, what it means to be just and to have fairness and treat people with respect even when you don't agree, these principles are so important. And unfortunately, it's very much lost in our society today. I think there are a lot of people that don't exercise what we call good midot, good character traits. And it's really sad. And it's really sad to see that there are people who, for whatever reason, don't like other people. And it could be because of their skin color. It could be age. It could be because they're from this country or that country or religion. I pray for the day when, like we read in the prophecies, that there's going to be peace and that there will be no more wars and people will accept each other for who they are, no matter what the differences are. I pray, please God, that that time should come soon. You're listening to In Good Faith. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Hi, I'm Stephen Cap Perry, host of In Good Faith. In our BYU Radio family of podcasts, I've got to tell you about an award-winning podcast called Constant Wonder. Are you ready to immerse yourself in the awe-inspiring world of nature? That's what Constant Wonder does. Host Marcus Smith brings us on trips and conversations with people whose lives have been touched by the beauty of the earth and exploring its mysteries. If you crave some adventure and you want to travel the earth, but it's hard to fit into your schedule, do what I do and listen to Constant Wonder, riveting conversation with individuals whose lives have been impacted and changed by their explorations of the earth's beauty and its mysteries. Constant Wonder, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to In Good Faith, where we're speaking with Yasmina Huberman, host of the Jewish Education Experience podcast. How do you, when you encounter people who maybe lack understanding or haven't taken the time to get to know, how do you see them as fellow creations of God? How do you remember that and feel that? That could be very difficult at times. <laughs> Especially when you come across people who flat out hate you just for being Jewish. I know who I am, and I know that I'm created by Hashem. I know I am Jewish, and that this is this is me, and this is who I am. There are going to maybe be people who don't like it, and that's fine. I believe in treating people with respect. Um, however, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where it's dangerous either, so it's definitely a, a fine line. Thankfully, I have never come across in person someone who is racist or anti-Semitic to me personally. I feel very grateful for that. I can't say the same for other people that I've come across. We have family members, we have friends who had to leave Iran or had to leave parts of Europe because they were Jewish and they had their families had to flee. Thankfully, I never had to experience that. My message for Jewish people is to be strong. As we say, and has been written many times in the Bible, in the Torah, chaz, be, be strong and be strengthened. 
Don't let these things discourage you and, and make you hide your Jewish identity. It's important for us to be proud and show that we're Jewish. Don't hide who you are. Be strong. Grow in your Torah learning. Grow in mitzvot. Grow in your acts of kindness to other people. And what I would say to anyone who is not Jewish is please try to learn the history. Don't take for word things that you see in the media because there's a spin. Just try to read more about history. Try to learn more about the land of Israel and about the Jewish people and the things that we stand for. We can do a lot of good by appreciating each other's differences and recognizing the strengths that we all have instead of always focusing on the differences that we have. And we need to shine more light to snuff out this darkness and the evil and the hate that's going on. That was Yasmina Huberman speaking with Steve. I found her interview very inspiring and her emphasis on education very inspiring when she was talking about the Jewish concept of learning so that we can teach. Mm. I thought that was a powerful, wonderful emphasis on education and children and the next generation, and just being able to bring them up in that culture, which she feels so strongly about. She feels so strongly about raising her family in that culture, in that tradition that she has been brought up with and that she converted to in some ways. And I thought that this concept of learning so that we can teach is one that can be spread across all cultures, all religions, and all education. Yeah, education was just like a neon billboard flashing throughout everything she said. And she was so passionate. Uh, something I made a note about was this drive to do whatever she had to do to guarantee that her children's conversion would be seen as complete and legitimate. Because if your mother is Jewish, then, then you're Jewish. And so because her grandfather and her parents had to go through these kind of conversion tests or, or reaffirmations, quote unquote, and she herself put in the effort to be sure she had an orthodox conversion that could not be questioned by any other group, she really wants to guarantee her children a place in this tradition she loves and has put in so much effort to do that. And I think another big part of what she expressed to us was this question of identity and religious identity and her conversion to Orthodox and just what that means to her in her place in the Jewish faith of just wanting to not be questioned and to be accepted as being Jewish and being another Jew. Many thanks to Yasmina Huberman for speaking with us today. This episode was produced by Ashton Rowan and Heather Bigley. Our production team also includes Leah King and Katarina Martinich, as well as Josh Orton. Our post-production sound designers are Mark Hansen, Daniel Phillips, and Carly Wilson. In Good Faith is committed to the idea that we all benefit from hearing people of widely varying backgrounds share their personal experience with faith and belief. In fact, we think people with such experience deserve some of our best listening. If interfaith understanding is important to you, be sure to leave a comment or review on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, and help spread the word. Find us on Twitter at InGoodFaithPod, on Instagram and Facebook at InGoodFaithPodcast. On YouTube, our page is youtube.com slash at in hyphen good hyphen faith. In Good Faith is a production of BYU Radio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. I hope you'll join me again soon, right here in Good Faith. <laughs>